Good morning. I'd like to thank everybody for listening today. This is an odd way to meet, and yet it is great that we have the technology that we have in order to be able to worship together from a distance. Uh, this is going to be odd for you. It's definitely going to be odd for me, so please bear with us as we go through this. I do have some announcements before we uh, begin with our worship service. The first, as we move forward, the elders will be meeting after next week to determine whether or not we begin to gather together once again. Um, and although we do look forward to that time where we have opportunity to gather together, it just depends on how this uh, this virus outbreak goes to see when we are able to meet again. But when we meet again, there will be some changes in the bulletin. Our current bulletin provider is changing the way in which they produce the bulletins, and um, we will be changing as well. So in some way, shape, or form, the bulletin will be different as we move forward. Also, once we are able to meet again, we will be offering a new members class sometime in the near future. So if you are interested in becoming a new member, I've already had a couple people speak to me about that, but if you're interested in becoming a member of this church, uh, please email, call, or talk to me directly once we are able to do that again. And we will set up a time. The class will probably take a, mon- a sun- uh, Saturday morning, excuse me, and uh, we will gather for a few hours on a Saturday morning and talk about membership and talk about the church. Just pay attention to the church Facebook page and to your emails for upgoing annou- upcoming announcements and as we go forward from here. Our call to worship today. Oh, before we jump into the call to worship, I do want to say that we will be pausing. I will be giving you cues today to pause to sing songs. I will try to upload or email suggested songs that you could sing along with. Or if there are songs that you would worship, that you would like to worship along with, please take the time to pause the recording, to sing as part of your worship as a family, and then start the recording back up to go through. Our call to worship today comes from the book of Psalms. It comes from Psalm 22. The first two verses, and then I'll jump down to verses 19 through 31. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night and am not silent. And then down to verse 19. But you, O Lord, be not far off. Oh, my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you will I fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to dust will kneel before him. 
those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, as we gather today here in a, in a way that is odd, in a way that is weird, we do ask that you be honored and glorified by our gathering. Lord, we know that you are the God who offers peace. We know that you are the God who offers comfort. We know that you are the God who hears us. And so hear us today. Remind us that you were with us. Remind us that as we gather electronically that you are to be worshipped, you are to be honored, you are to be glorified. And we gather today to worship you and to glorify you. Lord, you are worshipped through the reading and teaching of Scripture. You are worshipped through the giving. You are worshipped through singing and you are worshipped through prayer. And so we worship you now by praying as you have taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Take a few moments now to pause the recording and to sing and worship to God. As we come back, we are reminded that we stand before a holy and righteous judge, before a God who calls us to confess and to repent. And so today I will pray our prayer of confession. This prayer comes from the book Prone to Wander by Barbara Duguid and Wayne Duguid out. Hoke, excuse me. Compassionate Father, we confess to you that we don't want to need your mercy. When we see ourselves as righteous before you, we become lovers of ourselves instead of lovers of mercy. We perform to try to impress you instead of showing mercy because we ourselves have been profoundly rescued. Religious duties become more important than loving people. And we easily become blind to the needs of those around us. Sometimes caring for others even becomes the very duty we use to justify ourselves. God, forgive and have mercy on us. Father, you have shown us great mercy through the sacrifice of your son. You piled the awful weight of our sin on Jesus and crushed him in our place. And through his atoning death, we have inherited every spiritual blessing imaginable. Dissolve our cool, indifferent hearts with the blazing truth of your astonishing love for us in Christ. Jesus, you have been merciful to us and for us. You knit yourself to human flesh and walked through this sin-sick world with eyes of love that saw the overwhelming needs of those around you. You loved and cared for people in their suffering, even when they invaded your privacy and disrupted your plans. Serving others was your spiritual duty, so you healed on the Sabbath without confusion or guilt. So now, even though we are confirmed lovers of ourselves and often calloused to the suffering of others, we are credited with all your loving compassion as though we had done it ourselves. Jesus, how can we ever thank you? 
Holy Spirit, keep us mindful of our weakness and sin so that we will come to love the righteousness of Jesus. Melt our stony hearts with gratitude for the mercy we have received. Let compassion and love flow out of us like a river. Help us to die to our own desires, schedules, agendas, and wisdoms, and open our eyes to see the people you want us to love. Give us joyful confidence that you have prepared good works for us to do, and that we will walk in them because you always get your way. Cover our shameful lack of mercy and love for others with the glorious obedience of Jesus. And may our growing love for him compel us to face a needy world with peace and real power to help. Amen. And hear these words of assurance from Psalm 103, verses 8 through 14. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Luke. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. This is a very familiar passage to us, but also a good reminder of who is our neighbor. So hear these words from Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? The lawyer answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return... I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. At this point in our service, we typically take up our tithes and our offerings. Of course, we can't do that as we meet virtually, 
But please uh, mail in those tithes and offerings. If you do not know your our address, please contact me either via phone or email and let us know and we can make arrangements for those for you to be able to mail those in. And let's pause here for a brief moment and allow you to sing, to worship God through song. All right. Now is the time where we will take our prayers and petitions before God. Let us pray. God and Father above, we do thank you that in the midst of this trying and difficult time that we have a God who hears our prayers. We are reminded that we live in a world that is broken as we consider the pestilence before us. And yet we should also remember that you are a God who cares for and comforts his people. We consider your book of Revelation, the book that wraps up your scriptures. And we think of the promises in there of pestilence, of death, of war, of uncertainty and of chaos as the world around us descends into the state in which it was rescued from at creation, that state of chaos. And Lord, we must confess that we are tempted to fear. We are tempted to worry as we see war, as we see earthquakes, as we see natural disasters, and as we see this Corona COVID-19 virus. And yet you did not give us the book of Revelation to be a source of fear, but a source of comfort. You gave us that book to remind us that no matter how seemingly out of control this world seems to spin, we are to be reminded in that that you are still sovereign over all things. And that the hope that awaits us is not a hope of a world that is less chaotic, but the hope of a world that is perfect, that is redeemed. And that hope is secure in the fact that you reside permanently upon your throne. And so, Lord, forgive us of our fears and strengthen us in the hope that we have that whatever happens to us through this time, whether it be as simple as we have time in our homes as families or as difficult as medical problems and death, that you are still in control. And that we have heaven, the new heavens and the new earth to await us. A world in which we rest in your glory and no longer have to worry about pestilence, about chaos, about natural disaster or about death. Because we will be there to partake of the tree of life and to reside in your presence forever. Forgive us our sins and comfort us. Lord, we lift up before you those in our midst who are suffering with illness. Lord, you know who is on our hearts. You know who weighs on our minds. Lord, we pray for those who are unable to gather with us on a regular basis. Think of Mariana and Tommy. We think of the Mankins and others who are unable to gather with us because of health issues. We ask that you sustain them and lift them up. 
Remind them that you are a comfort to them. Remind them that you are their source of strength. Remind them that you are always with them. For those of us who are typically able to get out and to be about and and yet are living under uh, almost quarantine conditions, we ask that you give us strength to maintain our sanity, protect our health, and keep us from this pestilence. And Lord, however this works out for each and every one of us, help us to remember that you are God, that you are creator, and that you hold all things in your hands. Lord, may we praise you through this. May we see the chances, the opportunities that you give us to glorify you in this and help us to reach out in ways that are wise. Reach out in ways that glorify you and remind us of your honor, your glory, and the salvation that you give. We do pray to you because of the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and so it is in his name that we pray. Amen. We are a people who gather around the truth. The truth is summarized for us in the Apostles' Creed. So Christian church, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, concerned the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As you can tell, I miss having you here to back me up on that. Please turn with me in your Bibles. Please take them up. If you don't have them there with you, please feel free to pause and go grab them real quick so that we can read together these words from Proverbs chapter 3. This is the second half of a discourse that we began last week as we began looking at verse 13. And as God oftentimes does, He gives us the benefits. He tells us what is true, what is right before He commands us to move forward into how he would have us live. And so today we are looking at, as we look in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 27 through 35, God's commands in light of the benefits of wisdom. So hear the word of the Lord. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give it to you tomorrow. When you have it now with you, do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a violent man or choose any of his ways. For the Lord detests a perverse man, but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous He mocks proud mockers, but gives grace to the humble. The wise inherit honor, 
but fools he holds up to shame. Let's pray. God above, show us how we are to walk with you. Show us how we are to act in light of the wisdom that you have used to set the earth and its foundations. In light of the wisdom that all mankind can benefit from. And in light of the wisdom that gives us peace and security in the midst of sudden disaster and the threat of judgment. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Proverbs 3, we have seen four ways in which the Son, by choosing wisdom, can find favor with God. We saw that as we are called to trust God at the beginning, as we are called to humble ourselves before Him, as we are called to worship Him, and as we are called to submit to Him. We saw that in those ways we find favor with God. We saw in verses 13 through 26 the ways in which humanity is blessed, the ways in which God used wisdom, and the ways in which the Son could be blessed and preserved. We saw that wisdom brings life. Wisdom shows the permanence of creation. And wisdom becomes a source of peace and safety for us. And in this last section of Proverbs 3, Solomon calls the Son to action in light of the favor and benefits spoken of previously in this chapter. And so today, as we look at this section, we will see that we are called to not be like the wicked. Instead, we are called to be a good neighbor because God rewards the saints and curses the sinner. First, don't be like the wicked. The call of this passage is like a a coin that has two different sides. And the first side of the coin that we are going to look at is found in verse 31 of today's passage, where it says, do not envy a violent man or choose any of his ways. This is a call not to desire to be like the violent man, to not be like the mocker or the fool that we will meet later on in the passage. The violent man is going to be described in those last four verses of the passage. It's going to be described as one who is twisted, um, one who is wicked, one who mocks, and one who is held up to shame. But in this particular part of the passage, in this command, Solomon tells his son to not envy the wicked or choose his way. In in using this emotional word of envy, this jealousy of the wicked, or choosing the ways that he does, the the ways that he walks, we we are shown that we are neither to think like nor act like those who are wicked. (coughs) excuse me, those who are violent. In Psalm 73, Asaph comes before the Lord and in the first verse there, he says, he opens up by professing the goodness of God, the greatness of God, the fact that God hears and listens to him. But in verse 2 and 3, he confesses to God, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And as Asaph goes on in that first half of Psalm 73, we see him wrestling with the reality that he sees with his eyes. The reality is that while God promises prosperity for the righteous and judgment for the wicked, 
Oftentimes we see the opposite. We see what seems to be prosperity of the wicked and judgment, illness, sickness, and even death on the righteous. And Asaph, in a moment of honesty, says and confesses to God, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, I envied them. I wanted to be like them. I wanted to have what they have. I wanted to be what they were. I wanted to taste what they tasted rather than what seemed to be the horrors of life that fell upon the righteous. Oftentimes we, we, we walk this walk of wisdom that we're learning about in all of scripture, but also in Proverbs. And it's hard. It's difficult. And we don't always see the benefits that are promised. We are in those times we are called to remember what I called us to at the beginning of this. Called to remember that these words are descriptive oftentimes, not prescriptive. These words of Proverbs are not some formula that God says, if you do this, I promise to do that. If we do that, it just becomes a prosperity gospel. These describe how life would be ideally if we walked by wisdom. But brothers and sisters, we don't live in an ideal world. This this pestilence, this COVID-19 virus reminds us that we live in a broken world. And God is a God who will bring prosperity to the righteous. We just may not see it right away or even in this world. The prosperity of which we wait for is a prosperity that will be found in his presence once and for all. Yes, there may be prosperity reigned upon the righteous here in this world. But the prosperity is not an earthly prosperity. It is a heavenly one. And just as Asaph envied, confessed his envy of the wicked, Solomon warns the son, don't be like the violent man. He calls the son away from desiring what the violent have and from walking in the ways that the violent follow. This call echoes as well the the words of Proverbs 1, 10 through 19, where the, the father warns the son about giving in to the enticing words of the sinners. In that passage, the sinners were those who sought to gather their wealth through theft and violence against others. As I mentioned a few moments ago, if we take these things together, not envying and not choosing, we see the father warning against following or emulating the wicked, even in the smallest of details. Aren't you and I tempted sometimes by the apparent prosperity of the wicked to seek to live life as they do rather than as God does? We should be like Asaph in Psalm 73 and confess to God that we envy the arrogant, we envy the violent, we envy the fools when we see their prosperity. Solomon calls the son to avoid following or or desiring the prosperity of the wicked. Don't be like the wicked. Instead, he says, be a good neighbor. And that is the second side of the coin that we are looking at here is is to be a good neighbor. And that's where Solomon begins this section of Proverbs chapter three. 
Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. We are told in this first verse to not withhold good from those who deserve it. Now, what is good? Good is a general word. It's a it's kind of a a wide open word in the Old Testament, and it covers absolutely everything that we could possibly give to our neighbor. It might involve financial giving. It might involve the giving of our time. It might involve the usage of our talents for those who deserve it. Now, who deserves it? Every human being that we come in contact deserves good from us. Why do they deserve it? Well, because just like us, they are human beings created in the image of God. They are human beings whom God has filled with glory and honor and dignity merely because they have been created by him. Just like you have been created by him and you are filled with his glory and with his dignity, even though it may be broken by the fall, every other human being has that. And because they are human beings created in the image of God, they deserve good from you and me. Whatever that good may be. Now Solomon does qualify it here. We are not to give something we don't have. He says that we are to not withhold good from those who deserve it. When it is in our power to act. Don't put your family in danger. Financial danger. Physical danger. In order to give something to others that you do not have. God understands. God knows what you have. Don't spend your grocery money on things that you may not be able to replace in giving good to others. But we are to give good to others in ways that we are able. You may not have the financial means to support somebody who is in poverty, but you may have the intelligence or the means to teach them how to be better stewards of their finances. You may not be able to give of certain talents. You may not be able to help your neighbor fix their car, but maybe you know somebody who does and you can put the two together. So Solomon says, first, don't withhold good from those who deserve it. Second, he says, do not say to your neighbor, come back later and I'll give it tomorrow when you now have it with you. We have a tendency to look at these words and think that what Solomon is saying here is is a promise to somebody that, hey, look, I've, I've got it. I just can't give it to you right now. Come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you. But this isn't a promise to help tomorrow. This is an attempt to put the neighbor off. This is an attempt to to manipulate the neighbor away from you so that you can keep what you have, so that you can hold the good for yourself rather than sharing it with one who deserves it. This is an opportunity to lord it over somebody that you have what they need and you are going to make them squirm to get it. Don't do that, Solomon says. If you have it, give it now. If it is within your power to act, act now. Don't make them squirm for it. Don't make them beg for it. Don't manipulate them into a place of humiliation. 
Because you know you have it. And they don't. He moves in verse 29 to don't plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. In this, in these first two verses, this is kind of a, a general humanity type. Don't withhold good. Don't manipulate your neighbor. In these next two verses, it begins to move more into our neighborhood, our community, as it is bound by the words who lives trustfully near you, who has your confidence who rest in you and trust in your friendship and your neighborliness. And he says, don't plot harm against your neighbor. Don't be wicked against them. Don't say evil words against them. Don't break those bonds of community. Don't plan to manipulate those. Don't actively seek the hurt or harm of someone who trusts you. Don't berate your neighbor. Don't abuse your neighbor. Don't manipulate one who has confidence in your friendship, in your community. And the fourth call to go, the fourth call to being a good neighbor is related to this. Don't accuse a man for no reason. Now, this is legalese. This is lawsuit courtroom type words. In fact, Paul echoes these words in 1 Corinthians 6, where he says, don't take a brother or sister to court. Why should we not take a brother or sister to court? Paul says, because we have one who is who has revealed himself in the scriptures. Who is a greater judge than any human judge. We should take our difficulties to him. But it also has much closer meaning words. Matthew Henry says, resent not that as provocation, which peradventure was but an oversight. Let me translate Matthew Henry's English there for you, as it's a little bit difficult to understand. Don't assume that every slight is intentional. I probably should apologize to many of you because you have run into me in the past, whether it's whether it's in the the grocery store or out and about in town, and I've had something on my mind. I've been thinking about something, or maybe I've called you and had a very specific purpose for why I called you. And I have forgotten those human, those community, those friendly things that are part of that. Maybe part of that forgetting was just not noticing you in the store or not giving you the due greeting That you had. It was definitely not intentional. But my temptation when that happens from you is to take it as an intentional slight. To to accuse you of an offense that you did not have in mind. It was it was an oversight that oftentimes I would take as a provocation. It was a slight that I took as intentional. Brothers and sisters, sometimes we as human beings just don't pay attention to our neighbor the way we should. Oftentimes we should let those things be forgiven and not assumed to be a provocation. But Solomon has used a word here in this passage twice that we need to define as well, and that is the word neighbor. I I said that the, the point of this part of the passage is to be a good neighbor What is a neighbor? 
In the Old Testament from Leviticus 19.18, which Jesus quoted as the great command, as part of the great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Throughout the Old Testament, the word translated neighbor is a very broad word. It is a word that encompasses anyone that you come in contact in your everyday life. It can be the close friend. It can be the next door neighbor that we have a great relationship. It can be the friend that is closer to us than a brother or a sister. But it can also be the person on the street that you have never met before that you just happen to run into. They are your neighbor also also. As we understand this, we understand that the lawyer's question in Luke 10, who is my neighbor, was a deflection. He should have known as a student, as an expert in the law, he should have known that everyone with whom he comes in contact is his neighbor. And of course, Luke tells us that he was trying to justify himself to get away from the fact that he was to love everyone as he loved himself. And sometimes we do the same. Instead of being a good neighbor, instead of being a God-glorifying neighbor, we try to cocoon. We try to justify ourselves in the way we act toward others. Solomon calls us to not be like the wicked, but instead to be a good neighbor. And he tells us this because God rewards the saint and curses the sinner. Verse 32 through the end of today's passage lists out for us four comparisons between the violent man and the wise man. In verse 32, it says, The Lord detests a perverse man, but takes the upright into his confidence. It's very difficult for us to read this sometimes because we don't like to think of God being a God who detests anyone. God's a God of love. First, John tells us in his first letter that God is love and we like that God. But we forget that God is also a God who detests the sinner, that detests the wicked, that detests the crooked, the twisted man. But he takes the upright into his confidence. How does God take us into his confidence? Well, through the Spirit, God confides in us by placing his wisdom in us. Through the Spirit, the God illuminates his scriptures to us, teaching us his wisdom. Through the Holy Spirit, he shows us his wisdom in the world as well as we look at the rising of the sun. As we look at the marching of the seasons. As we look at the complexity and the glory of creation, the Spirit confides in us God's glory and His power. God detests the wicked and yet confides in those who trust Him. Verse 33 tells us that God's curse is on the house of the wicked, but He blesses the home of the righteous. In Genesis 1, God is told, we are told that God puts His blessing on two aspects of creation. The first aspect is when He, the land animals are blessed by God and told to be fruitful. And then after He creates humans, after He creates male and female, they are blessed by God. 
before they are told to be fruitful. This blessing here is a different word than the blessed we looked at earlier in chapter 3. It's a word that is specifically used by an action given from God to man. And it is life. It is abundant life. And yes, it is that eternal life that we hope for. And so the cursing that we are told of here is the opposite of the blessing. It is the loss of life. We are told in the Psalms that that the wicked are full and yet their souls are starving. Zechariah chapter 5 verses 1 through 5 talks of a vision that the prophet had of a scroll, the words of God flying through the air, settling in the house of the wicked and over a period of time going through the land and destroying the homes of thieves and the wicked. Wickedness brings God's curse while the righteous, the wise are blessed by God. God mocks. The mockers, verse 34, but gives grace to the humble. Justice is what is given here and justice is the payment that our sins deserve. So that those who mock God, those who mock God's people will be mocked by God. God will balance the scale against them. And those who mock, those who are wicked, those who are fools will get from God what they deserve. God's mocking. But the humble get grace. We've looked at three curses so far. We'll look at the fourth in just a moment. The first curse is that God detests the crooked man. God's curse of death is on the house of the wicked and God will mock the mockers. Brothers and sisters, each and every one of us in here can be described by those words. We are twisted. We are wicked. And we have mocked God. But through His grace... Through His Spirit, we are able to humble ourselves before Him. To pray, to seek His face. And the shame, the mocking, the curse, and God's hatred fell upon the cross for us. Fell upon Jesus. So that we might have grace. So that we might not be numbered with the mockers. Or the twisted. Or the wicked. Or the fools. But so that we might be numbered with the righteous. The humble. The wise. And the upright. And the fourth thing we're told. And Solomon flips the order here. He talks about the wise and the righteous first. Rather than the fools signaling the end of this discourse. But He says the wise inherit honor. And the fools are held up to shame. Inherit there is a permanent word. Once you inherited something from your father in Israel, it could not be taken away from you. Honor there is the same word where it talks about earlier in the chapter. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your prosperity. It is a glory word. For the wise, we will inherit glory. 
A glory that comes to us through Jesus. And that because of His righteousness and because of our adoption as sons, it is a glory that will be ours forever. But to the fools, He holds them up to shame. Their lot in life, their lot in eternity is shame. Is a life lived in the presence of God without His grace. Is a life lived in eternal condemnation. So Solomon tells the son. And through telling the son, he tells us, don't be like the wicked. Instead, be a good neighbor because God rewards the saint and curses the sinner. Seems rather simple, doesn't it? In a sense, leading a life of wisdom can be summarized by loving God and loving neighbor. The great commandment. But it can be difficult because just like Asaph, we look to the wicked and can be envious. I want to begin to conclude by reading Psalm 73. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn from them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree. They increase in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued. I've been punished every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand this, it was oppressive to me until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them. As fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. And my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. It may not seem oftentimes like we are living the life of reward that is promised to us in the book of Proverbs. But as we look, as we gather in the dwelling place of God, we can see that reward once and for all. 
It is there that the people of God will gather to feel the full force of His confidence, His blessing, His grace, and His glory. And when the wicked stand before that throne, they will feel the full force of God's hatred, His curse, His mocking, and His shame. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, help us to be good neighbors. Neighbors that glorify You. Neighbors that do not withhold good from any who do not offer any harm to others who speak no ill against others and who are quick to give the good as they are able and as others deserve. Help us to see the true fate of the wicked, even though it seems that they are prosperous in this world, that you have a fate reserved for them that is just. Thank you for the grace that you have showered upon us and help us to live in the light and in the knowledge of the promises that come with that grace. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Take some take a few moments now to pause the recording and to to sing to God to worship him through song song. As you go this week, know that the Lord blesses you. Know that the Lord walks the path with you. And as you walk that path of wisdom, take this benediction upon you. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.